This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, President Biden's second State of the Union address had moments of harmony and discord. We take a look at some of the highlights as well as the GOP's response. Chinese balloons, which are part of a surveillance program, have been spotted over five continents. The U.S. briefed 40 nations on the China spy balloon incident, and a hearing will be held for all senators on Thursday. Rescue efforts continue for survivors in Turkey and Syria following Monday's earthquake, with the death toll now passing 11,000. The U.S. and more than 20 other countries have pledged humanitarian aid for those affected in the region. Ukrainian President Zelensky paid a surprise visit to the UK in his second trip abroad since the Ukraine-Russia war. He's planning to meet the Prime Minister and address the UK Parliament in person. And we hear from a mother of seven about her unique approach to raising her children at home. She teaches them important life skills along with school subjects. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, February 8th. We start off with President Biden, who gave his second State of the Union address last night. He focused on his vision for the economy, infrastructure and support for Ukraine. The president urged members of Congress to unite and work with him on his path forward. While Biden drew rounds of applause from the room, the night also had its fair share of hecklers. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Biden's speech. Finish the job. That was one of President Biden's key messages from Tuesday's State of the Union address. We've been sent here to finish the job, in my view. He used the phrase at least 13 times during his 73-minute speech. Biden called for bipartisanship, saying conflict for the sake of conflict gets us nowhere. We have to be the nation we've always been at our best, optimistic, hopeful, forward-looking, a nation that embraces light over dark, hope over fear, unity over division, stability over chaos. We have to see each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans. The president touted low unemployment rates and job creation. He also addressed the growing threat from China. Make no mistake about it. As we made clear last week, if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country, and we did. Biden claimed the U.S. is in the strongest position it's been in decades to compete with China or anyone else in the world. He says the choices made over the last several years have formed a blue-collar blueprint to rebuild America, and that his economic plan is to invest in places and people that feel invisible and left behind during the economic upheaval of the past four decades. We're building an economy where no one's left behind. Jobs are coming back. Pride is coming back. But some Republicans disagreed with statements the president was making and let him know vocally. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. Big you got it. Displeasure could be seen on House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's face as Biden suggested Republicans want to take the economy hostage unless he agrees to their economic plans. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. 
let me give you anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. Biden took the response as a show of unanimity. So, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be stopped. All right. He got a standing ovation from the room on that point. So tonight, let's all agree, and apparently we are, let's stand up for seniors. Stand up and show them. We'll not cut Social Security. We will not cut Medicare. Biden finished the night by saying he's never been more optimistic about the future of America and declared that the State of the Union is strong. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave the Republican response to Biden's State of the Union. The Arkansas governor said she didn't believe much of anything President Biden said in his speech. House representatives also took issue with many of the statements Biden made. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the GOP response. Sanders said Biden and the Democrats have failed the American people on issues of inflation, violent crime, the border crisis, and the threat from China. President Biden inherited the fastest economic recovery on record, the most secure border in history, cheap, abundant, homegrown energy, fast rising wages, a rebuilt military, and a world that was stable and at peace. But over the last two years, Democrats destroyed it all. Arkansas's new governor drew a stark contrast between herself and the president and the policies of Democrats and Republicans. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. House representatives weighed in on Biden's address. Congresswoman Kat Kamak felt like there were two State of the Unions, where the president couldn't decide if he wanted to try and send a message of unity or attack Republicans. In some of the most dire times that we've seen in the regulatory state that is really forcing uh, American families to make tough decisions, historic 40-year uh, highs for inflation, on top of all the other challenges that we have going on, he seems still content on a highly partisan agenda that is more about political wins than getting things done for the American people. Kamak says Biden omitted important issues from his agenda. He conveniently forgot about Chinese spy balloons uh, that dominated the news cycle for the last week and of course left out uh, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Congressman Gary Palmer also spoke with NTD. He felt the speech was divisive and inaccurate. I think the president again misrepresented where we are in this country, uh, particularly for a lot of people that are really having a hard time making ends meet. He says Biden's analysis of the economy was misleading. He's talking about that gas prices are lower uh, now than they were from their high point, but they're still a good bit higher, over a dollar a gallon higher than they were when he took office. Palmer also disagreed with the assessment of the unemployment rate. We literally are borrowing money, mortgaging the future our own future, our kids' future, our grandkids' future, to pay people not to work. They're not counted. We have one of the lowest labor participation rates that we've seen in decades. So when he tells you that the unemployment rate is low, it's because so many people are no longer looking for work and they're not even counted. 
Biden's second State of the Union address was his first with a Republican-controlled House of Representatives. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says there will be a classified briefing for all senators on Thursday. They will discuss the Chinese spy balloon that flew across the country last week. So we need Democrats and Republicans to come together. We need the country to come together to condemn China for what it did and have a unified front in dealing with the Chinese Communist Party. I applaud President Biden for his leadership. I applaud that he listened to the military and national security experts. And I think as we go forward in time, everyone's going to see what he did was the right thing. Our military and our surveillance NSA didn't know about them till last year. Three of them went over when Trump was there. But you can't blame Trump because he didn't know of them. They didn't know of them then. We're just learning of them. The Washington Post reported that the surveillance balloon effort has operated for several years off China's southern coast. The balloons collect information on military assets and countries. They also gather intel on areas of strategic interest to China. Those include Japan, India, Vietnam, Taiwan and the Philippines. That's according to several U.S. officials, and they spoke on condition of anonymity because of the matter sensitivity. Authorities have said these surveillance airships have been spotted over five continents. And one official said the Chinese have taken an unbelievably old technology and merged it with modern communications and observation capabilities. Analysts did not yet know the size of the Chinese balloon fleet, but U.S. officials spoke of dozens of missions since 2018. And in related news, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene posted a video of herself yesterday on Twitter. Just an innocent white boy, everybody. She can be seen walking through the halls of Congress holding a white balloon. She reportedly wanted to bring the balloon to the State of the Union address. By saying innocent balloon, the congresswoman was allegedly poking fun at the CCP, specifically their claim that the balloon over the U.S. was merely a weather balloon that got blown off course. The death toll from the massive earthquakes in Turkey has now passed 11,000, with over 40,000 injured. As the scale of the disaster unfolds, officials anticipate the death toll to rise. The United States says it's focused on aid and relief efforts in both Turkey and Syria. Here's NTD's Kost Temenes. Humanitarian aid and help with rescue efforts are underway as the U.S. pledged urgent support for Turkey and Syria following Monday's earthquake. In the hours after the quake hit, I authorized the deployment of a disaster assistance response team, a so-called DART team, to lead the United States government's humanitarian response to this earthquake. Washington is also in the process of deploying two urban search and rescue teams from Virginia and California. Secretary of State Antony Blinken echoed the statements adding he has been in touch with his Turkish counterpart by phone to aid in rescue and recovery operations. The United States government has been um, in full motion. As I mentioned earlier today, we've deployed now more than 150 search and rescue personnel uh, to, uh, to Turkey. Uh, USAID, the Agency for National Development, uh, is in the lead of, uh, of our efforts. Uh, we have uh, U.S. helicopters that are supporting uh, Turkish response efforts in very hard-to-reach areas. Uh, we're in close contact with the, with the Turkish government. Monday's earthquake was the most powerful to hit the region in decades. 
Of the thousands killed, many were children. And there are fears the death toll will continue to rise as the search for survivors goes on. Tens of thousands have been injured and left homeless. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan declared a state of emergency in 10 provinces. But many residents in affected areas have criticized what they said was a slow government response. The search for survivors is also ongoing in Syria, a country plagued by nearly 12 years of civil war. Blinken said U.S.-funded humanitarian partners are coordinating life-saving assistance in the country. And we're committed to providing that assistance to help people in Syria uh, recover from this disaster, just as we have been their leading humanitarian donors since uh, the start of the, the war in Syria itself. Turkey is home to millions of refugees from the war. According to the World Health Organization, over 20 million people could be affected in the Quaked region. Costa Menes, NTD News. Some 60,000 aid personnel have now been deployed in Turkey. With the devastation so widespread, many are still waiting for help. And Turkish emergency personnel were joined by search teams from over two dozen countries as more aid pledges poured in. And Turkey said that over 10 million people out of its 85 million population have been affected by the disaster. Syrian authorities have reported deaths as far south as Hama, some 150 miles from the epicenter. And today, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is making his first visit to Britain since Russia's invasion began nearly a year ago. It's Zelensky's second confirmed journey outside Ukraine during the war. According to British media, Zelensky landed at London Stansted Airport on a Royal Air Force plane. He will meet with Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and will address Parliament. Zelensky is also scheduled to meet with UK military chiefs as well as with King Charles III during his visit. Zelensky's visit comes as Sunak announced Britain will train Ukrainian pilots on NATO standard fighter jets. And coming up, a real-life Spider-Man, a professional climber, is taking his passion to the next level. He decided to climb Phoenix's tallest building for a cause. And Harvard researchers have been conducting a decades-long study in which they ask the age-old question, what makes people happy? Stay with us to find out what they've discovered. Welcome back. We are continuing the program with a professional climber. He scaled Phoenix's tallest building to raise funds for a pro-life cause. Uh, we are climbing today to raise money for a woman named Hope who is 22 weeks pregnant. Mason Deschamps calls himself the pro-life Spider-Man. The 23-year-old scaled the 40-story Chase Tower in Phoenix, Arizona on Tuesday. He climbed for a nonprofit that raises funds and awareness for women who seek an abortion because of financial struggles. Law enforcement was waiting for him at the top of the tower to arrest him. In 2022, Deschamps climbed atop of the Salesforce building in San Francisco and the New York Times building in New York for his pro-life cause. The world's longest scientific study of happiness is now in its 85th year. Harvard researchers have been tracking a group of people and their descendants since 1938 in the hopes of finding an answer to one question, what makes a good life? What makes a person happy is an age-old question that Harvard researchers have spent decades trying to answer. People who do the best, who are happiest and healthiest, 
maintain their relationships. Physical fitness is vital to health, but researchers say so is what's called social fitness. The study finds that more than anything else, being close to others is what keeps people happy throughout their lives. And researchers say it's never too late to find that happiness. Our study shows us that people find friends, they find love when they're sure it's never going to happen for them at all different points of their lives. Study director Dr. Robert Waldinger says a lot depends on whether you're intentional about making and nurturing good relationships. If you're looking to be happier, he says, take small steps. It doesn't have to be big. Think of somebody you miss, somebody you'd like to connect with. Just send them a text, send them an email saying, hi, I was thinking of you and just wanted to connect. Waldinger says social media can also help with happiness goals, but only if it's used to connect with others. If we passively consume somebody else's Instagram feeds, somebody else's happy pictures of beaches and parties, that's going to lower our self-esteem. It's going to make us feel like we're missing out on the good life, which isn't the truth. Microsoft is revamping its Bing search engine and Edge web browser with artificial intelligence. The company announced yesterday one of its biggest efforts yet to lead a new wave of technology. Microsoft announced it will be using technology from its partnership with the startup OpenAI to bring chat GPT-like technology into the Microsoft search engine, aiming to soar past its main rival, Google. OpenAI made a preview of ChatGPT available for public use late last year. Its human-like responses to any prompt have given people new ways to think about the possibilities of marketing, writing term papers, or even disseminating news. The technology known as ChatGPT that many of us have played around with experience is itself based on a system that's actually a few years old, and the maker of that technology, OpenAI, has been continually working to improve it. Bing's chatbot will help users refine questions more easily, give them more relevant, up-to-date results, and even make shopping easier. For instance, if you want to know if a car seat will fit in the back of your particular vehicle, it will, knowing the information you provided, give you an answer so that you don't have to try to make sense of different web pages on your own. Bing is far behind Google in search market share, but AI could alter the landscape. Google on Monday unveiled a chat bot of its own called Bard, and it's planning to release AI for its search engine. But which AI-powered search engine consumers will prefer in the long run remains to be seen. More companies are laying off workers. Zoom yesterday said it's cutting 1,300 people or 15% of its workforce as demand slows. It's also cutting pay for executives. During pandemic lockdowns, Zoom became popular because of its video conferencing tools. It increased hiring to meet surging demand, but now it's trying to reduce costs in case of a potential recession. And plane maker Boeing is also laying off workers. It confirmed Monday that it plans to cut 2,000 white-collar jobs this year in finance and HR. Boeing also said it's outsourcing a third of those jobs to India, and it'll continue to simplify its corporate structure. New Zealand authorities said today they recovered three and a half tons of cocaine floating at sea. It's believed the packages were bound for Australia. 
The 81 bales of cocaine were recovered in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with a value of more than $320 million. A police photo showed the haul apparently taken before recovery. It shows a net supported on the ocean surface by floats. Local authorities said it was, quote, the largest find of illicit drugs by New Zealand agencies by some margin. We have no doubt that a seizure of this scale lands a major financial blow to those involved in its trade, from producers to distributors. No arrests have yet been made. Local authorities believe that the cocaine was enough to service the Australian market for about one year, and this would be more than New Zealand would use in 30 years. Coming up, we hear from a mother of seven about her unique approach to raising her children at home. She teaches them school subjects as well as important life skills. Find out about those after the break. In today's complex society, where kids face a lot of stress, raising healthy kids could be challenging for many parents. A 35-year-old mom who survived anorexia in her teen years found a sanctuary where she believed she could achieve that goal for her children. Stacy Drovedahl was a promising student who aspired to become a ballerina in New York City when she was young. However, she was diagnosed with anorexia as a teenager. I was immersed highly in this uh, world of ballet and very concerned about, you know, my appearance and whatnot. I starved myself. I, you know, exercised ridiculously until I became very thin and very sick. It took years for Stacy to recover from anorexia, and afterwards she gave up her ballet dream. At age 20, she married her childhood sweetheart, Colin, and became a homemaker. After their first child was born 14 years ago, she and her husband started a homestead lifestyle in Washington State. We were concerned about the health of our children and the way that the typical American was living and our own diet and lifestyle. And we wanted to make changes for the health of our child then and our children to come. The Drove Dolls had no experience in homesteading, so they had to learn everything from scratch. They learned how to raise livestock, grow food, cook and bake. But the results were satisfying. When you go out and you're milking the cow in the freezing cold and, you know, coming in and pouring that into a glass, like that is a satisfaction that doesn't come from buying your milk at the store. And that is something that we want to gift our children as well. In 2017, after Colin lost his job, the couple relocated to Wisconsin, where they learned to build a house for themselves. Then, when the COVID pandemic started, the couple pulled their kids out of the public school system and Stacy began homeschooling them. Homeschooling allows us a lot of freedom to teach the things that we find important for our children. Stacy didn't just recreate a public school system at home. In addition to an academic curriculum she chose for her kids, she also taught them about their Christian faith. We believe that uh, our faith in God is the most important thing in our lives because our goal in life is to get to heaven you know, when this life on earth ends. Stacy also teaches life skills, such as managing finances, homesteading, and people skills. We want to teach them how to provide for themselves and, um, you know, where their food comes from and just how to help a neighbor. Stacy says her kids are very self-sufficient, with most of them knowing how to cook and bake, build things, grow, process, and preserve food. More importantly, homeschooling gave the family more time to bond. 
but we're together as a family and uh, making those connections and getting to know our children from the heart, which is something that is difficult to do if you're sending them out of the home, you know, eight or more hours a day. As Stacy found homesteading such a rewarding experience, she has been sharing her experiences on social media. She hopes to help others who may be interested in a similar lifestyle. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News. Wow, always keeping busy as a mom. And very beautiful story. Oh, yes, absolutely. Beautiful life and a healthy lifestyle. But I also think it's important for the children to learn what she called the raw and real aspects of life and through their firsthand experience, learn the importance of family. But moving on to another topic, do you remember the Chilean ice mermaid we covered before? She conquered a new milestone on Sunday, making the longest swim ever in Antarctic waters. Barbara Hernandez swam more than one and a half miles in a traditional bathing suit in waters below 36 degrees. That's without a wetsuit or protective grease. The quest took her more than 45 minutes. She said her record is now under international validation. The 37-year-old psychologist and swimmer said swimming in Antarctica was her dream for more than 10 years. She added that the reason behind this sports milestone is to raise awareness to protect Antarctica and the Southern Ocean. Wow, uh, just looking at it gives me the chills, oh, really. <laughs> yeah. Amazing what her body can do. And I, probably she could handle the cold that well, maybe because her body was in motion all the time, right? Maybe, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, you know, she didn't get the name Ice Mermaid for nothing. You know, she really has broke the uh, Guinness World Record in 2022 by swimming one nautical mile in 15 minutes and three seconds. She was also awarded for being the first person to swim three nautical miles between the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans in southern Chile. Very interesting. Remarkable woman. All right, we're ending our program here. Don't forget to write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.